0: I remember when I was a kid in school, I remember giving people nicknames. Some were flattering, some not so flattering. I myself had a lot of nicknames through the years. When I was in grade school, I lived in the Florida Keys and my friends called me Shark, because I could swim so fast. Then I moved up north, they, they called me Buzz. Long hair was in, but my hair was all buzzed off. Everybody in the Keys wore their hair that way. You know, in middle school, friends called me Elvis because I was a big Elvis fan. I did impersonations. On the basketball court, teammates called me Dynamite because I'd go on scoring streaks. You know, in high school and college, called Diamond Damon uh, because of my fashion sense and style. Now... Thankfully, none of those nicknames stuck, and none of those nicknames were really bad. Now, trust me, I've been called a few things through the years that I can't repeat, opinions a few people had that I didn't take to heart. But the reality is sometimes nicknames get in your head. Sometimes you hang on to them. They mess with your mind. Sometimes they stick, and you just can't get past them. And what I want to say is you are not defined by what you used to be called. You're not defined by a nickname. You're not defined by what a classmate yelled at you at recess. You're not defined by the person that harmed you or hurt you. You're not defined by what your parents have said or an ex has said. You're not defined by your past. You're not defined by something that you've done. You don't have to keep reliving it and you can get distance and move on. Last week on Easter, we we started this series, uh, Distance. We started out by talking about the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and mine. And when Jesus walked out of the grave, the distance between you and God was eliminated. In fact, as I look at the resurrection story, it was all about undistancing and closing the gap. The resurrection of Jesus Christ made a relationship with God possible, and today what I want to talk about is getting distance from a guilty past. Now, this is not so much about labels that other people have placed on you, although it may be, but it's rather focusing on the labels that you put on yourself because of things that you've done that you can't shake. You know, it may be a DUI in the past. It may be an affair you had. It may be a failed marriage or a financial misstep that everybody knows about. It may be that you cheated and got caught. You flunked out of school or you got fired from a job. Maybe your identity for a while was inmate 73108. Maybe you were abused and you grew up to be an abuser. Maybe you had an abortion. Maybe you introduce yourself regularly and say, Hi, my name's so-and-so. I'm an alcoholic. Maybe your past is about drugs or gambling or pornography. What happened, what was said, what you did back then, that thing from your past that won't stay in the past. If you were honest today, for some of you, you would say, My past defines me today. Friends, Satan has a clear agenda. John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The evil one wants to use your past, he wants to use your guilt, and he wants to hijack your identity in Jesus Christ. You know, the evil one wants to steal your future. He's interested in killing you a little at a time. And his ultimate goal, he wants to destroy your soul by using your past, by using your guilt against you. you no know, guilt, it's a, a strange emotion. And guilt is powerful. And guilt has both a negative and a, a positive aspect. On, on one hand, guilt is that feeling inside you, that whisper that says, I think across the line, that wasn't right. Uh, That didn't feel right. See, in that case, guilt's a good thing. However, if you reach a point where you don't feel guilt, oh, watch out, that is a dangerous place to be. See, guilt can lead you to honesty and confession. Guilt can lead you to forgiveness. It can lead you to make better decisions in your life. Guilt can lead you to a better life. But unresolved guilt is another thing. See, guilt that's suppressed, that's pressed down, that's hidden, is destructive. In Edgar Allen's story, The Telltale Heart, the main character in that story commits murder and is unable to escape the, the haunting guilt. He begins to hear the heartbeat of what he believes is the victim buried in the basement. He starts hearing the heart. Boom, 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 boom. And he can't escape that pounding. And ultimately that pounding sound starts driving him crazy. And what you find out is the heartbeat isn't the heartbeat of his victim, but it's his heartbeat. That's a little bit like what unresolved guilt looks like. In the Old Testament, King David had unresolved guilt. The The past was pounding in his chest. It kept chasing him. He could not get any distance from it. And it would continue. It could continue haunting him until he dealt with what he had done, until he was willing to face the truth and the consequences of his actions. You know, David had had an affair with a married woman named Bathsheba, he tried to cover it up by sending her husband to the front lines. I mean, he basically was trying to murder him. David was attempting to get some distance from his guilt, but it didn't work. Psalms 51, 3-4, through four, he says, I know about my sins. I cannot forget my terrible guilt. He's talking to God here. He says, you are really the one I've sinned against. I've disobeyed you, and I've done wrong. See, his past, his guilt, it's chasing him, it's pursuing him, and then he acknowledges his sin. He starts confessing, I've done wrong, i disobeyed you, God, I've sinned. And a few verses later, verse six, he says, and yes, you want truth in the most hidden places. You teach me wisdom in the most secret space. Friends, secret sin cannot exist with inner peace. Unconfessed sin, it creates space and it makes peace something very, very distant. David Belgum in his book, Guilt, where psychology and religion meet, He estimates that 75% of physical illnesses and rooted emotional problems are from trying to hide guilt, trying to keep it in. It spills. It's toxic. He suggests that the illnesses and the breakdowns are, as he puts it, involuntary confessions of guilt. The the past, the guilt that, that we think we're we're outrunning, that we think we're out distancing, he says is actually seeping out from every part of us. In fact, he estimates that we spend 80% of our energy trying to keep that stuff in. Image at any cost. We we think we can get distance by pretending it doesn't exist keeping it inside, keeping it hidden, it does not work. Listen, listen to David, Psalms 32, verses three and four, he says, when I kept quiet about my sins, here's the description, my bones wasted away from crying all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was dried up as in the hot sun. See, guilt, guilt's a good thing. From God's perspective, it's, it's a warning light. It, it lets us know something's not right, something needs to be dealt with. But guilt in the hands of the evil one, it is a weapon to destroy. It is a weapon used to steal your life and to kill you slowly. You know, when guilt is left unconfessed, the more you try to distance yourself, It actually gets closer. You know, as guilt grows, it morphs into a thing called shame. And friends, shame is sinister. It's destructive. How is shame different than guilt? Well, shame no longer sees the sin as something that you did. But it's who you are. The the sin becomes your reality and your identity. You know, guilt and shame—they're complicated. You know, sometimes people carry shame when they didn't do anything wrong. Some carry shame because of someone else's sin. In other words, they've done nothing wrong, but they feel shame. And friends, the shame is is still toxic. See, Satan is a liar. He is the father of lies. Scripture calls him the deceiver, the accuser, the destroyer. Jesus Christ died for your sins, and when he walked out of the grave, the power of sin was defeated, and the power of Satan was defeated. Revelation uh, 12.10 says this, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters was relentlessly accusing them day and night before God. He has been cast down and silenced. Satan is an accuser. How many of you know that to be true? I mean, he likes to whisper you're a loser, you're drunk, you're you're stupid, you're a tramp. You're you're a junkie, You're, you're worthless, you're unloved. That's who you've always been, and that's who you will always be. See, shame is powerful, but because of Jesus Christ, friends, I know something that's more powerful, and it's grace. Shame tells me that I'm defective, but grace tells me I'm valuable. Shame tells me I am flawed, but grace says I am priceless. Shame believes the opinions of other people are all that matters. But grace, grace believes God's opinions are all that matters. Shame says, I must be perfect to be accepted. And grace says, I am acceptable just the way I am. See, shame makes us hide, but grace sets us free. Jesus Christ died to set you free from guilt and shame. And when you take your your guilt and you take your shame and you take your past, like David did, like I've done, like so many other people have done countless times, when you take your sin and you get honest before God and you come clean, no matter what you've done, no matter how awful it is, grace gives you distance from the past. Because grace erases the past. Grace silences the accusations. Grace helps you reclaim your identity in Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, I I love that verse. Because it reminds me who I am in Jesus Christ. I'm not perfect. I'm going to screw up sometimes. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to sin. But when I do, if I confess my sins to God, he will forgive me. So when you make mistakes, when you sin, be honest with God. Confess it. Own it. God will forgive you. You will get distance from your past. I mean how much distance? Well Micah seven nineteen says once again you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You want distance from your past? You want distance from the guilt, the shame? You come to God and admit your mistake. Confess your sin. God will have compassion on you, and God will throw your sins in the deep, deep ocean. See, that that's distance. Paul says it this way, Romans 8, 1. There, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, I have known people with checkered pasts, I've known people who have dove headlong into sin, done things off the chart, things that not only hurt themselves, but it hurt the people around them, people they loved. Who am I kidding? I I am that guy. See, the things I did, I'll always remember. They've marked me but it's not who I am. God will use it to to grow me. God will use it so that I can help other people. But because of Jesus Christ, I've been set free. Here, watch, watch this video with me. Because of Jesus Christ, your past is just that, past. Because of Jesus Christ, your, your past, your guilt is powerless. Because of Jesus Christ, you have been set free. You're a new creation. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians five uh, seventeen. he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. A transaction's taken place. You were bought with a price. You have a new identity. You are a child of God. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. And I know, I know it's difficult to get distance from the past sometimes because the old ways, the old patterns they replay easily the mind has to catch up with the new reality in other words when your your mind races to all the garbage from the past you have to shift and remember who you are in Jesus Christ you are forgiven you are washed clean you are accepted. You are loved by God. Your past was nailed to the cross. Your past is just that. It's your past. It is a new day. You're a new creation, and you have a new way of thinking, and you have to work on it and develop it. Paul writes in Romans twelve two. It says do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't fall into the old patterns, the old thinking, the old things that used to define you. Throw them out. It's a new day, new identity. He says be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, how do you renew your mind? Well, by pursuing God and his truths. How do you do that? Well, by spending time in God's word each day, by by praying and and talking to God and seeking God, by by worshiping God in song. You know, all these things, they renew your mind. They remind you who you are in Jesus Christ. They remind you who God is. Friends, you are a new creation. God declared it. But you have to accept it. You have to receive it. It's all based in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you need to take that step and make Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord today. You just say, God, I believe you sent your son to die for me. And I want him as my Savior and Lord, and I'm going to follow you. And for those of you that have taken that step, you got to remember what he did. You are a new creation, God declared it. And you can't get distance from your past. We'll close with Psalms 103, 11, and 12. This be a great verse to memorize, to meditate on, to put in your heart th- this week. Psalmist writes, it says, How great is God's love for all who worship him, greater than the distance between heaven and earth. How far has the Lord taken our sins from us, Farther than the distance from east to west. Let's bow in word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you. You have put significant distance between us and our past. God, we are not what we've done. We are who we are because of your great love because of your son's willingness to give up his life for us. And God, I pray the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave that we would hold on to that power and that we would live in response to your, your amazing love that power be displayed in what we say, what we do. God, that we would not be held back by our past. We would not be beat down by our guilt and shame, but that we would live a new way, new minds that we would live as a new creation, that we would live as your children in this world, that we'd be a bright light to a lost world. God, we thank you for this day. May we take hold of every opportunity you give us. May we please you with what we say and do. We pray all these things in your precious Son's name. Amen. Have a great day. See you next week.